You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. A full preview of week seven in the SEC. Matchup breakdowns of all four games in the conference. Anybody on Upset Alert? We'll get into all that. We'll also talk all things SEC with our buddy Chris Marler of Saturday Down South. Do a full preview of the Florida-Georgia game with him. Maybe an early thought even on next week's Alabama-LSU game. Of course, he is an unabashed Alabama fan. We will also hear from what some of the experts are predicting for the Georgia-Florida game. Peter Burns, Gary Danielson, and others. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. Get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out five days a week. All right, let's jump right into it. Week seven of the SEC, four games on Saturday. Let's do our matchup breakdowns. Matchup breakdowns. All right, we'll save Florida-Georgia for last. Since that's the biggest game, we'll go in order of times. Oh, gosh. First up, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. 0-4 Vandy is at 1-4 Mississippi State on SEC Network. We're not going to spend much time on this one. I'll just give you some quick numbers. Vandy ranks 97th in the country in total defense. Mississippi State ranks 21st. These are two of the lowest scoring offenses in the country. State is averaging 15 points a game. Vandy is averaging 12 points a game. So based on that, I think State makes a few plays in the passing game. And the Dogs defense, for the most part, keeps Vandy in check. State is a 19-point favorite. I just, I think the doors cover that. An ugly, low-scoring game. Give me Mississippi State 23, Vandy 9. At 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, number 7, Texas A&M. They are 4-1. They're going to 2-3 South Carolina. A&M, a pretty balanced team. Solid offense, solid defense. The Aggies with a real shot to run the table to finish out the season. The Gamecocks, they're more middle of the pack in most categories. This will be a battle of two really good running backs. Kevin Harris, who is second in the SEC in rushing for South Carolina, and Isaiah Spiller, who ranks fourth in the conference in rushing at A&M. Who can tackle better? Who can get off the field on third downs? Really like the linebacker play in this one, too. Ernest Jones for South Carolina, Buddy Johnson for the Aggies, both in the top five in the SEC in tackles. But AM, they rank second in the conference in sacks with 14. They get after it, after it with Michael Clemens. The Aggies are a 10-point favorite. Look, I'll expect this one to be close at the half, but the Aggies pull away in the second half. AM wins on the road 31 to 20 over South Carolina. 7:30 Central, 8:30 Eastern, a battle of two and three teams. Two and three record-wise. Tex, uh, Tennessee is at Arkansas. I think I have a little more confidence in Arkansas's passing game than Tennessee's, but I think the Vols' run game gets back going this week. It has been their recipe for success when they're playing well. Eric Gray and Ty Chandler have to get going for Tennessee to score some points. Arkansas, they were able to get their ground game going last week. Rakeem Boyd hitting his century mark, finally seemingly getting healthy. Felipe Franks, he has really played well overall this season. 1,200 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, he has been sacked a bunch. I think I'm going to say Tennessee wins a close one. They are a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. I may end up changing my mind by by Saturday, but for now, I'll go Tennessee 27, Arkansas 24. 
man, I may lean, I may lean hogs by Saturday. <laughs> and lastly, the game of the week, number eight, Florida at number five, Georgia, 230 Central, 330 Eastern on CBS from Jacksonville. Florida's strength, their passing game, ranked seventh in the country. Georgia's strength, their defense. They rank 13th in total defense, 12th in scoring defense, allowing just 16 points a game. Georgia is third in the SEC running the ball with 175 rush yards a game, and Florida throws for 342 yards per game. This one is simple. If Florida cannot stop Georgia running the ball, that allows Georgia to play clock control. They can play keep away, ground out some long drives, limit Florida's scoring opportunities. For the Gators, they want to score every time they have the ball. If they can, if they can score early, jump out to an early lead, and they have to force Georgia to have to keep up, man, that just puts so much pressure on Stetson Bennett and that Georgia passing game. Ultimately, I think Florida will have success through the air, will score touchdowns, and I just don't think Stetson Bennett will be able to keep up. I'll call it close at the half, maybe something like 17-13, something in that territory, but Florida pulls away in the second half. Gators win 34 27. Georgia is a three and a half point favorite, but I think the wrong team is favored. Am I going to regret that? Picking Florida 34 27 over Georgia? We'll see. But that is where we uh, stand today with our matchup breakdowns and predictions. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk all things SEC with our buddy Chris Marler of Saturday Down South. We'll get his thoughts on these four matchups this weekend. Guys, we did it. The weekend is here. It is almost time for you to kick back, relax, enjoy a little me time. I know it was a long week. We had all this stuff going on. We had an election. We had late nights, not much sleeping. Go and get yourself a good night's sleep tonight because you guys got a big day tomorrow, a big day of watching college football all day and sitting on your couch and enjoying a fresh, cold Coors Light. We know watching football is therapeutic for us. It's our me time. It's our uninterrupted let me just relax and watch this game and enjoy an ice-cold Coors Light, which is the official beer of watching any sport. Just drink beer. Coors Light is cold lagered. It's cold filtered, cold packaged, literally made to chill, and it is crisp and as refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. When you see those mountains on the side turn blue, you know it's ice-cold Coors Light. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. Make sure you guys are doing it this Saturday when you need to hit the reset button. Reach for the beer that has made the chill. And remember, we always tell you this, Coors Light, you don't even have to go to the store to get it. They'll bring it right to your door. Go to get.coorslight.com. They will deliver the Coors Light straight to you. And please remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're all along here, locked on SEC, getting ready for another weekend of games. We've been talking about this all week. It's only four games in the SEC this week, but uh, after this, we get a full slate of games from here on out, so our last kind of mini weekend of games. It is a big one, obviously, with Florida, Georgia, but uh, four games to get into. And join us to kind of break down some of these games is our buddy Chris Marler, Saturday Down South, host of the SDS podcast, along with Connor O'Gara, and Marler joins us now. Marler, what's up, man? Oh, man, just really, really enjoying my week and 
just the unity, the unity and brotherhood we're seeing all across the country. Um, you know, come people coming together. I cannot wait for Saturday. Can't get here fast enough. I think, honestly, uh, you know, Maxion was such a gift from from uh, you know from I guess college football last night that we did not have to uh, sit there and endure any more polls uh, and, and projection maps. So it's I've been good. Yeah, it's it's been great to see everybody uh, becoming civics uh, teachers this week. It's been really <laughs> tremendous to see all that. Um, four games in the conference this weekend. I just want to get your thoughts on uh, on each one. So we'll save Florida Georgia for last, since that's the big one. But look, I don't even want to ask you about Vandy Mississippi State. Do you have like Thank a you. Do you have like a twenty second thought on that one? <laughs> There's so many things I would rather do than watch this game. Um, <laughs> I mean, politics is probably one of them. I, I would rather yeah. spend time watching like. What like I'd, like I'd rather spend time at Thanksgiving dinner only talking about politics with my stupid aunt from Wetumpka, Alabama, than watch this game. That's a, that's a real thing. So yeah, I, Mississippi State wins; they don't cover. Okay, good. That that's that's all we need on that one. Uh, the the two night games, I I really like A and M going to South Carolina because like all the talk, everybody's been saying A and M can run the table. A and M can run the table. Guys, this is the SEC. You're playing ten straight SEC games. Somebody is going to creep up on you if you don't bring your A game. You're going to get beat. This feels like one of those spots where, man, if if A&M comes out and they're slow out of the gates or something, they could find themselves in a dogfight with South Carolina. Yeah, I, I, and I hear you. And we know that from a historical standpoint, we've seen A&M do this how many times, where they start out great and then they have all these, these struggles in November. And, I mean, that was pretty much Kevin Sumlin. Like, that was his whole resume. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to see that as much. I think this is a team that, honestly, the more I watch it, is getting better and better each and every week. And, you know, outside of that Bama game in week two, they've looked really good. Oh, well, actually, also as a Vandy game. So since week two, they have looked really good. And it seems to me like I'm a big proponent of the fact that Kellerman and his team, especially under Jimbo Fisher, are not as good on the road as they are at home. I just don't think it matters as much uh, against a team like South Carolina. You know, I jokingly said this on the podcast. If I want to watch Colin, if I want to watch a quarterback throw 12 of 22 for one touchdown and one interception for like 163 <laughs> yards every week. I would just go put on Kellen Mond highlights from, from his freshman year. Right. So I, I don't think that they're going to struggle at all. This offensive line has really, really been good. It, it might honestly, like, you think about the start of the season, we talked about could Bama, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, could one of those teams have the best offensive lines in the country? I think it might be A&M. They've only allowed two sacks all year, and that run game with Spiller and Smith has been awesome to watch. I, I think they win. I think they win big. Yeah, it's. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, right? I mean, they are a ten point favor going into this one. I just there's going to be one of those games, and when you look at A and M's schedule, you go, yeah, look, it makes sense. They they should run the table, but uh, we'll see. Look, South Carolina, if they play like they did against Auburn three weeks ago, they'll have a chance. If they play like they did against LSU, they'll have no chance, and they'll get run off the field. What about Tennessee, Arkansas? I've been saying all week this is such a monster game for Jeremy Pruitt, and it sounds silly to say that, but it really is from a standpoint of. What do we talk about coming to the season? Oh, the win streak. Look at the Vols. They are rolling. And now they're danger falling to th- three and three, three straight losses, and you still got some really tough teams still left on your schedule. I, I just like you literally, if they lose this game, you'll be talking about Tennessee going the wrong direction right now. Yeah, I think uh, so I, I searched high and low for a positive uh, here with this team. Um, and, you know, the sample size is small. The sample size is small with Jeremy Pruitt, but I will say it's still. Uh, somewhat beneficial in the fact that him like this team coming off a bye under Jerry Pruitt. It's only happened four times in his two years. That includes the bowl game. They're three and one coming off a bye. And the only loss really is to Georgia. And 
you know, the last time they had to be coming off a bye week in the regular season under him, and it was on the road, that 2018 shocker uh, in Auburn, when they, when they were upset Auburn on the Plains at that noon game, uh, and, and get the, the Gus Malzahn hot seat, that rumors swirling once again. I, I think... You know, honestly, of course, I don't know. I don't know what I think about this game. Like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if Tennessee's able to come out here and win. But at the same time, like, I'm tired of betting against Arkansas. Uh, they're five and zero against the spread this season. They had a backdoor cover that actually absolutely crushed me last Saturday night from a, a day that would have been a, a lot of a lot of uh, financial gain for me. I will say this: I, I think Arkansas's offense is is one dimensional, and the fact that I know they had Raheem Boyd going last week, they have not been able to consistently do that. I think Tennessee is going to be able to to make that offense one-dimensional. And, like, this whole story with Sam Pittman has been great. It's been awesome, you know, great theater, great storyline, all that kind of stuff. I don't think they're in a place where they're going to be overlooked anymore, like, as a program. Yeah. You know, they, they have a decent amount of talent. They've had a really good start to the year. They still have a, a couple of wins they should have under their belt that, that the SEC refs took away from them. I think Tennessee is able to get get things back to normal, go into Arkansas and come away with a win by, like, one point. So let me ask you this, because it sounds like you're buying into Jared Garantano one more time. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, the, if, if one team were to make a change at quarterback this week, who would, it be? would it be South Carolina or Tennessee? Because I heard some quotes from Ryan, Ryan Holinsky at South Carolina this week saying, yeah, it's, it's frustrating, I don't like sitting on the bench and all this. And then, obviously, there was a lot of talk these last couple of weeks about Tennessee maybe making a change. If one made a change on Saturday, who do you think it would be? I think it'd be South Carolina, and honestly, you could. Is there is there a third option? It's like a parlay. If, you know, the veteran <laughs> me wants to take that neither one of them make a change because both these head coaches are very stubborn. It seems like with making a change at uh, at head coach, I don't know if that's something from the Saban coaching tree we've seen with with both those guys with Pruitt, Muschamp, and obviously Kirby Smart. But Jesus, man, I, I just I think that Garantano he's done. He's looked good at times. He looked good against Bama. Um, you know, a little bit like I don't that you can't really pin that loss on him by any means. Um, obviously, the Kentucky game is different, but I just feel like with Colin Hill, you you know the ceiling. You just you know the ceiling. I mean, Gary Tano is a guy that they they were able to win eight games in a row with in Tennessee. Colin Hill is is a lesser version of Jake Fromm. I mean, like he he is just not a very good quarterback. That's good. Like, where is the ceiling for Colin Hill? And, and like, if you had to ask me, it's it's that stat line I told you about earlier, and it's probably three or four wins. I just don't see why in a year where you have to have some change and you have to have some kind of spark, if you're Will Muschamp, why the hell are you just keeping it status quo and, and, and running the same type of offense with the same guy at the helm? I, I think both those guys behind him are more physically talented. Yeah, and it certainly feels like this is a year that Muschamp would probably get a pass, right? I mean, he's already got two wins. If he, if he goes three and seven, four and six, I don't think that anybody's going to get mad at that at South Carolina. They'll give him a pass. So this would be the experimental year to, to try other things out. All right, speaking of sticking with quarterbacks that maybe you should make a change, <laughs> but you're hard-headed and you stick with that guy anyway, uh, Georgia, Florida, uh, Kirby Smart, standing by Stetson Bennett. I, I, I talked about this all week, Marley, the big – you know, the, the positive on Bennett throughout the start of the season was what? Oh, this guy, he's a great game manager. He doesn't turn the ball over, takes care of it, makes plays. The last two games, we've seen him turn the ball over. Three interceptions, two interceptions. I just keep looking at this game, and I'm like, God, like, Georgia's going to have to make something happen on offense, or do you think their defense just rises to the occasion and they hold Florida in check and they win some kind of ugly, low-scoring ball game? You know, I... Well, I don't. I don't know if you're going to be able to keep it low scoring with that with that uh, 
Florida offense for sure. But I tell you what, the Stetson Bennett thing, it just every time he drops back the pass, it reminds me of like like the first half in Space Jam of against the Monstars. It's like every single thing is just getting swatted. You know what I mean? Like right. Kleber trying to shoot, not gonna play. Um that being said, you know, the Stetson Bennett thing, it's it's been kind of funny, <laughs> unless you're a Georgia fan, to watch this kind of unfold because you know, it went from being like this awesome feel good story about the mailman, this undersized six foot, hundred and ninety pound quarterback. And what he came to realize, I think, if you ever watch any of his interviews, is he doesn't give you the feel of this, like, rags to riches against all odds story. Stetson Bennett really thinks he's good. Like, he, he, Stetson Bennett really thinks he's a good quarterback. And li- listen, like, I, I put on 30 pounds this year because of quarantine. I still think I look pretty skinny. That's wrong. I can tell you right now, those are two things that are factually wrong. He's not a good quarterback, and I don't have a six-pack. So the delusion from Stetson Bennett, I don't know how much longer Kirby Smart can really live with that. But I will tell you this. There's, there's two things that make me think Georgia's going to be all right with this, no matter who they put at quarterback and no matter how many injuries they've had on the defensive side of the ball. I, I remember watching this two years ago. And Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen's record against ranked teams is, is atrocious, first off. But Dan Mullen and Kirby Smart, their first game head-to-head uh, as Georgia and Florida head coaches, 2018, I remember watching the pregame, and they're showing each one of the locker and giving their speech. And Dan Mullen gave this, like, very – I don't even know the best way to put it. It was it was like team building exercises you would see at a corporate retreat. It was just like you guys got to hold the rope. Everyone, everyone, hold the rope <laughs> and just do your part. Kirby Smart is in his players' ass all the time, screaming and hollering. And I think his exact words, which I can't repeat on here, after that game were "blank these mother blankers." <laughs> Kirby Smart is a different breed than Dan Mullen. And in coming off a loss, he's had four losses, including this year, four losses since 2017 that have come in the regular season. His record in the rest of the regular season after those losses is 14-0. Georgia finds a way to get it done. The defense finds a way to get it done. I think they, they make Kyle Trask look a little bit more human than we're, normal, or we're used to seeing. I think they're, they're able to figure out a way to slow down Pitts, but maybe not him and Tony. I think Georgia gets it done. No thanks to Stetson Bennett, the fourth, the lawyer. I think it's all in the ground game, and Georgia leaves Jacksonville uh, still with national championship hopes. Well, that's a good thought. I mean, Zamir White has been getting going in the ground game these past couple weeks. I, I couldn't believe he's already got six uh, rushing touchdowns, but I, I just keep looking at the receiving core for the, for Georgia. My buddy was saying the other day, he's like, isn't Georgia supposed to have all these five-star recruits at receiver and all this? And like, George Pickens has 13 catches on the year. Their second leading receiver is, is James Cook, uh, a running back. So right. it's like, man, they really... And again, I think the quarterback's a part of it, but I just keep looking back. Like, what if this is a 28 24 game and Georgia's got the ball with 2.30 to go and they got to go down the field and score a touchdown? I just don't see that happening. See, and I think it's a great point, Chris. I, I really do. And, and I, I think, listen, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe I'm making part of this pick because I'm, I just, as somebody that lives in this state, I just fear for my well being. If Georgia loses to Florida <laughs> in the same week that somehow. This state turns blue in the presidential election. I, I can't be here. Like, I need to find a safe house right away or a panic room. But I will say this. When you look at, when you look at what that offense was able to do in the first half against Bama, um, from a creative standpoint, you know, some of the matchups they were able to get, and, and I don't know why they went away from it, but if they can put together 60 minutes of football where they, they have the offensive creativity that we've, we've seen in some big moments, then I think they have a much better chance of winning. I'll ask you this, because I, I think it's a great question if you're – Watching this team, if you're a Georgia fan, seriously, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a joke here, okay? If, if you're a Georgia fan, are you more confident going into the half behind or ahead in this game? 
I think you got to be ahead. I like because because again, like That's a with stupid the, answer, Chris. <laughs> because well, no, look, I went back and watched last year's game, and I couldn't believe the throw. Like I forgot the throws that Jake Fromm made in that game. Like he made some really good throws, and I'm just like, I, I just don't know if Bennett can do it. Now, look, maybe this Florida defense is worse this year than last year's. I would I would li- certainly listen to that argument, but I'm just looking at the way Trask is flinging around the field, and like, man, if they're if they're hitting on all cylinders and they're like eight of thirteen on third downs, like I just don't think Georgia will keep up with Florida. But like I said, that's why maybe the Georgia defense plays lights out. They're picking off Trask left and right, short field for Stetson Bennett, Zamir White, and they punch it in that way. I could certainly hear an argument that way. Yeah, I just I think it's one of those things where my my thought process on it is obviously you'd want to be ahead. I get I get that point. But if you are if you are behind, um, I think they're like in games they've been behind the half season. They're at, they're they're outscoring opponents in the second half like 59 to 10 for one but two it's like you know if they somehow find themselves down 10 going into the second half and they're forced to actually throw the ball and run and like mix it up in the play calling because i think more so than anything with kirby smart what he does is when he gets a lead or when he gets into a big moment he he tightens up like he puckers very very tightly and i think it's because he, he just gets super conservative with, you know, in most of his offensive play calling, and, and they start trying to just run the ball and do what they do best, and there's no creativity. As you saw it last week against Kentucky, I don't know what the hell that was in the second half. <laughs> I think that I think they're able to, if they're behind, they might be forced to kind of drop some more some more plays, and you know, if they're not batted down the line from Stetson Bennett, who knows? All right, before we let you go, an early thought. Uh, you know, this is always the game of the year. It's always the oh. biggest game. <laughs> LSU, Alabama next week. I know you're a little bit nervous. I know you're sweating it out with the bye week, wondering if Miles Brennan is going to play or not because it means trouble. <laughs> that means trouble for Alabama if he's playing. But what what the hell happened with L? Like this is how is Bo Pelini still employed right now? Like that's it's mind boggling. You know, listen. You know, I love you. You know, you're my boy. Um, I. I don't know. Like the fact that Bo Pelini has a job right now in this economy is just crazy to me. Uh, I just I, I can't understand it. I didn't make some sense to me. Um, I don't know. It just. But what scares me more than anything uh, for LSU fans is that that team quit last week against Auburn, yeah. and that's just not something you see with Coach O. And that really that bums me out. And you know, because I have so much esteem and respect for you, I don't want to put on my fan hat here. But this is a game that I I really do as an Alabama fan hate every year. Hate it because it's just. Three hours of just nervous pacing and panic attack and sweating and, and all this terrible stuff. I tell you what, man. Like especially after that 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 locker room video, the roll tide. What? If, they yeah. have to put up seventy on, on LSU <laughs> next week without without even blinking. And and I, and I think that and we've never seen Nick Saban really poured on somebody like out of out of spite. I think you might see that next week. That's what my buddy who's a diehard LSU fan said. Brother, we're paying for our sins from last year. He's like Auburn sticking it to us. Like that we we had to sell our souls for the undefeated national championship, but now we're getting everybody's getting paid back. I, look, I fully expect A and M to do the same on them later this year. It's just it is what it is. They can never take away Still that. 20, they can never take away that that season last year, though, Marler. That's right, dude. It's the best season in college football history. Just, listen, <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. It, it's still worth it either way. Chris Marler, Saturday down south, of course. Uh, you can catch up on the SDS podcast with uh, Connor O'Gara. Great stuff, as always. Chris, thanks for the time, man. Of course, man. You have a good one. All right, Chris Marler there of Saturday down south. Coming up next, what are some of the experts saying about the Georgia-Florida game? We'll hit on that next. 
rolling along here, Locked on SEC, getting you ready for yet another week of SEC football. Only four games in action this week. We've done our matchup breakdowns. We've gotten Chris Marler's thoughts on the games. Obviously, the big one that everybody has their eyes on or eyes and ears on is the uh, Florida-Georgia game or Georgia-Florida game, whichever one you prefer. Let's hear what some of the experts are saying about this one. Let's start with our buddy Peter Burns from the SEC Network, giving his pick in Georgia, Florida. I just like Florida, guys. I mean, I look at Florida this year as being like a diet version of LSU last year, right, where the defense wasn't going to be world beaters, but offensively they're going to score just a bajillion points. And and that's not the type of fight that Georgia can get in. They're a good, solid team, but they can't put up with this putting up, you know, 40 points a game. And I think I think between how good Trask has been um, and, that, and how unstoppable Kadarius Tony has been the last couple of weeks, they have found him out. Uh, and found really how to utilize him. Plus, Georgia Richard LeCount probably not going to play. Um, you know, they're banged up. To me, I, I, this feels like not only a, a Florida win, but a double-digit win for, for for the Gators coming up. Because I think they do actually give Bama yeah. a better run for their money than Georgia would in a rematch. Pretty strong take there from Peter Burns. How about David Ubin, a uh, longtime college football writer, recovering at Tennessee for the Athletic? What are his thoughts on the Georgia-Florida game? Georgia's a better team than Florida, but I think Georgia matches up really poorly with Florida. I think Florida's going to be able to score enough points. You know, I think 27, 28 points is going to be enough for Florida to win that ball game. Their defense, you know, was last week a breakthrough against Missouri. We'll see. Um, but that's going to be a really, really interesting game. You know, I, I think, again, Georgia is a, is a flawed team, but the roster – you know, is great, but I think Florida can score enough points that they are a really troubling matchup for a Georgia team that, you know, is just not bullying people like we're used to seeing that uh, them do the last couple of years. So that's going to be a fun one. I, I like Florida to win that ball game. And lastly, one of the guys who will actually be on the call for this game, Gary Danielson, he doesn't make a pick in the game, but he does tell us what to keep an eye on as far as Stetson Bennett and his chances against Florida. You know, there's a lot of talent at quarterback position at Georgia, but there's been a lot of shuffling around, players transferring, players opting out, players with bad knees, players who got an opportunity in the first game that quite weren't quite ready. But when you're lining up in the SEC with a quarterback that you had you know, penciled in as your number four quarterback, and now he's leading you. It, it's it's not something that any team could ride through and, and success. Now, Stetson has a lot of abilities, but in this league, if you're not really good, you get exposed. And, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience. I've seen him do a lot of good things. I've seen him do a few bad things. I do think he's going to have to up his game to beat Florida in this game, though. He's going to have to cut down on the mistakes, learn to throw through the lanes instead of trying to throw over the defensive lineman. And, that comes with experience, and maybe this will be the game that uh, he figures out to throw through the lanes and between those big bodies instead of trying to go over them. Sorry about the music getting up there. That was from uh, CBS, Gary Danielson, previewing the uh, some of the games in the SEC this weekend. And like you said, didn't make a pick in the game because he's covering it but or calling it. But, I mean, it feels like everybody who is making picks – in this game is starting to pick, you know, is picking Florida because of how good the offense has been. And obviously the question marks with Stetson Bennett, your Chris Marler in the last segment say he thinks you don't, they don't even need to lean on Bennett. You know, I think of some of those games earlier this year that Kentucky played that they won where Terry Wilson had like 80 yards passing. It's because their defense played lights out and the ground game was working so well. So I think there is a path to victory for Georgia 
where maybe Stetson Bennett doesn't have to do much. You know, is this a game where he could throw for 180, run for a touchdown, throw for a touchdown, but, you know, maybe if the Georgia defense is disrupting Trask, forcing some fumbles, keep in mind they had the huge fumble late in the game in College Station against A&M. So, you know, is this a game where the Georgia defense could step up and play lights out and force some turnovers to give Stetson Bennett and company the short field? Boom, Zamir White takes it in for a touchdown, and they're able to get an early lead that way. It's certainly uh, a chance it could go that way. But, man, you just look at all the weapons that Florida has on offense combined with the absences that Georgia's going to have on defense. I know we keep talking about Richard LeCount. That is a huge piece to be missing for Georgia in their secondary. So, uh, again, we've gone back and forth a lot on it this week. I'm still standing by Florida winning. But, man, the more and more I hear some of the experts picking, saying, oh, it's Florida. And Peter Bird saying, I don't even think it's close. I think Florida wins by double digits. Man, you just have to wonder, you know, will the heat be turned up on Kirby? Not from a standpoint of him losing his job, but the standpoint of I've seen a lot of memes with pictures of his face and Mark Rick's face and saying, same guy. Is this the same guy? Now, obviously, uh, Kirby's been a lot more successful, I think, recruiting-wise, had a lot more top five recruiting classes since he's been at Georgia. But at the end of the day, you got to do something with that talent. And for all the the quarterback drama you've had and big-time recruits you've gotten, I think a lot of the onus is going to fall on you and say, bro, what is happening where Stetson Bennett is your best option at quarterback? How did you find yourself here? How did you get here? How, you know, how did you like Justin Fields walk out that door? And no offense to Jake Fromm. We know he ended up becoming a you know draftable-type quarterback in the NFL, but you just wonder from a standpoint of all the finger-pointing in Athens to Kirby saying – Bro, you have all this talent on this defense and all this talent on this team, five stars everywhere, four stars everywhere, and you can't, you know, you lose to, to Alabama, you lose to Florida, and you lose to East, and the best we can hope for is we run the table and maybe we can get back to a Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl is just becoming the Florida Invitational. I mean, the Georgia Invitational. They, they're they in that one every year, feels like, and it's, it's disappointing for the fans because, you know, you got so close. You got to a national championship game, and you let it slip out of your hands. You know, what is Kirby's plan going forward? JT Daniels. Is JT Daniels healthy? It, 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 there will be a lot of clamoring for JT Daniels or maybe even Dewan Mathis to get another shot. I get it. He didn't look good against Arkansas. But that was week one. Things things have changed since then. Unless he's absolutely stinking it up at practice, if Stetson Bennett goes out there and looks bad against Florida on Saturday – There's going to be a lot of Georgia fans saying, put in one of the other guys. I don't care if JT Daniels isn't 100%. Let's see what he's got. Let's see what DeJuan Mathis has at this point. And let's see if this Georgia offense can get going here. I I said it earlier, though. The fact that their second leading receiver is a running back, that's not good. I mean, I know George Pickens has had his up and downs and throwing water on guys on 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 the sideline. Like, these guys have to be playing. Like you have to be getting the ball to your big time receivers' hands and making plays. And for Georgia, we have not seen that. For Florida, again, my biggest concern is that defense. That defense has given up a lot of points, a lot of yards. They look better in that second half against Missouri last week. But you know, the, the, where's the Florida defenses we're used to, where they claim to be DBU and always have draftable linebackers and defensive linemen all over that defense? Todd Grantham. Some real soul-searching here, and uh, like I said, if I'm Todd Grantham, my game plan in this game is going to be to take away the take away the pass or take away the run, and I'm going to stuff the box, 
Try to slow down Zamir White and say, hey, Stetson Bennett, beat, beat us through the air. Be real interesting to see how this one plays out. All right, that is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Appreciate Chris Marler for jumping in with us and talking all things SEC football from Saturday down south. We will talk to you guys on Monday with full reaction to the week that was in the weekend that was in the SEC. And remember to do so with a cold Coors Light in your hands all day Saturday watching college football action. Pac-12's back, so we got more games to check out. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs>